open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you're new to Manoa Community Church, we've been going through a preaching series called Christmas Spirit, and it's kind of a play on words, of course, because we're looking at spiritual beings in the Bible through the angle of the Christmas story. Because in the Christmas story, obviously, we see the angel Gabriel appear to, to Mary, for example. So we had a whole message on the angel Gabriel. So go back and listen to that if you missed that. We had an awesome pageant called Angel in the Wings, which now we're hearing angels don't have wings. But even so, it was an awesome pageant, really well done. And then uh, I was supposed to preach on dreams last week. So here's the true story. About a month and a half ago, Joe reached out to me. And Joe is doing an interim pastorate at a church in New Jersey. So he's in the same denomination as we are. And, and if you don't know this, you'll learn this at the one day new members class. But our church plays a role in helping other churches get revitalized and do evangelism training. So he said, Stefan, can you come and do evangelism training for my church on this Sunday? And we'll do a pulpit swap. And I said, Joe, I'd love to, but you, you're going to have to preach on dreams and angels. Can you do that? And he said, yes, I can. And did, were you guys here last week? Didn't Joe do a great job of that? I thought he did an awesome job. That's an unusual assignment. And I, if you're here saying, these guys preach on very unusual topics. Well, Christmas is always the same story, so we love to look at the story and look at it through different lenses and different angles. So um, normally we're just preaching Jesus, come back in January, we'll be right back to the gospel according to Luke going verse by verse through it. But today you've come in and where I'm going to pick this series back up is talking about the heavenly hosts. Because the heavenly hosts appear in Luke chapter 2. And this language of the Lord of hosts, right, is all over our Bible and something we never talk about in the church. And so here's the Sunday where we're going to say, who are the heavenly hosts? And so I've entitled today's sermon, Hark the Heavenly Host, to play off of the Christmas song there. So if you're taking notes, it's called Hark the Heavenly Host. And I'll be just reading verses 8 to 15 to get us started and then pray for us and drop into today's sermon, discovering the spiritual beings described as heavenly hosts. So picking things up in chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, verses 8 to 15. Here we go. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, there they are, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels, plural, went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Hark the heavenly host. Let's pray. Well, Father, as we open your word and as we look into the heavens and consider not only your throne room, God, as we learned about in this video, but also the spiritual beings that forever 
gather around you, protect this space, and worship you endlessly. Lord, I pray, God, that we would think rightly about creation, think rightly about ourselves and how we fit into creation, Lord. And we thank you for your revelation in your word. I pray that you would open our hearts to see the great spiritual worship and also the great spiritual battle that lay before us, Lord, and that we would fight the good fight and also enter into that worship unto you with the heavenly hosts. We pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're like me and my family, you probably love some of the familiar Christmas movies every year, and one that we always make sure to watch is the Charlie Brown's Christmas. And Charlie Brown is depressed. You guys remember this because he wants to understand the true meaning of Christmas. And so throughout the whole episode, he's going around saying, what is Christmas all about, right? And finally, at the very end, as they're preparing this pageant, uh, Linus comes up and says, I'll tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he quotes this passage out of Luke chapter 2, right? And he talks about how the heavenly hosts appeared and how they were sore afraid, KJV, yeah, like sore afraid. We're entering into this very familiar story about the Christmas story and the meaning of Christmas, and we're talking about the heavenly hosts, and then the entire episode ends with them singing around the pitiful tree that they didn't decorate it and put, all of a sudden, somehow lights and tinsel make it into a cool, full tree. You know, so at the end, it's... Linus puts his little blank here on the bottom, and they start singing. Here we go. Put them on the screen. Hark the heavenly, excuse me, hark the herald angel sings. Can you put the lyrics up for me, please? Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. We sang it earlier. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts. There they are again. Proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Well, Charlie Brown leaves satisfied that he now has discovered the true meaning of Christmas. But I have a few more questions to ask Charlie Brown and each one of you sitting in the pews. First, what in the world does the word hark even mean, right? We're all saying, hark. Do you ever use the word hark anymore? And who are these heavenly hosts that we're so confident about as they appear? Nobody's talking about these things, yet we're singing about them year after year after year. Well, if you bring some of your same, these same questions to your Bible or to your songs, you're going to learn what both of these mean today. So first, the word hark. You ready? The word hark is an old English word that means listen up, all right? Pay attention. Hark, all right? Pay attention. Listen up. In the language of the heavenly host, there's three things that the Bible reveals about them. You can go ahead and put them on the screen, guys. Hark, listen up. The heavenly hosts are God's angelic worshipers divine counselors, and mighty warriors. Now, typically, I landed one text and stayed there the whole time, but we're going to sweep through all of the Bible and pull this together, and I hope I whet your appetite just to go a little bit deeper to study this topic a little bit more. So we're springboarding off of Luke chapter 2. But let's look first at this first point. Hark, listen up. The heavenly hosts are angelic worshipers. Now, obviously, our text reveals this, right? This choir emerges and sings and proclaims glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. But this is also picked up in Psalm 148, which will be on the screens. Verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, 
all his hosts. Now you remember when the angels, plural, left them. So we see these are angels. They are angelic worshipers. In Revelation chapter 7, we have a picture of the angels worshiping God in heaven. Verses 11 and 12. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. They're pretty good worshipers. Would you agree? That's a good worship song. Blessing and glory and honor and all power and might, and they're falling on their faces, worshiping God. The heavenly hosts are angelic worshipers. And you know, this section in Luke chapter 2 is the only spot where the curtain is pulled back and the worshipers come into this earth to worship. Think about that. We have these snapshots of heaven or declaring the heavens worshiping God. We have this picture in Revelation, but this is the only spot where heaven and earth kind of converge and the curtain tears back and they burst onto the night scene and their worship spills into this world. I preach, and I've been preaching through Luke, so we'll hit this in January, but I love the fuller text there with the shepherds. The shepherds are afraid at first, but you know what they're doing at the end? They are praising and worshiping God. They are glorifying and praising God for all that they have seen and heard. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of what worship is, because worship is worshiping God for who he is and all that he has done, right? He's the creator. So even if God did nothing at all except exist and create us, he's already worthy of our worship, But he's done so much more than that because he's brought peace on earth through his son, Jesus Christ, right? He's reconciled us to himself. And so we worship him for who he is and what he has done. And so do the angels. And so the shepherds reciprocate all of heavenly worship. And in that scene in Revelation, when we are swept up to heaven with them, we're joining a worship event that has already begun from eternity past into eternity future. What we're doing today is just stepping into that. We enter into the presence of God as we gather together, where two or three are gathered together. God and Jesus are in this place and in our midst, and we join our worship as we were singing earlier with the angels in heaven. How's your worship looking? Are you falling on your face, exalting and lifting them up? Because they are, and the shepherds were. And so we exult and we join with the heavenly hosts. They are our choir leaders, if you will, all right? And if you don't get lathered up about who God is and what he's done for you, they will. And on that final day, you certainly will as well, all right? There is quite a worship event going on in heaven, and we join our worship with them. And we have far more reason to worship than they do. Think about this. We all worship the same one who is. But the angels who fell never got a second chance. You and I. Jesus didn't die for the fallen angels. He died for fallen humanity. And that's all of us. Because none of us were born born again. And none of us were born sinless except for Jesus. So you are here through the blood of Christ. And you are joining your worship. You have been re-invited back to heaven. 
you have all the more reason to worship him with all that you are. Amen? Hark, the heavenly hosts are angelic worshipers. Secondly, hark, the heavenly hosts are divine counselors. Now, this is the most weird point, I will acknowledge, but it gets a little bit interesting, some of the revelation of God. So I'm going to show you something you maybe have never noticed in your Bible from 1 Kings 22. 1 Kings 22, verses 19 to 22, and I'll, I'll tease this out. And Micaiah said, this is one of the prophets, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. And he's speaking to evil King Ahab, all right? So King Ahab has come to him for guidance. Hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven, see them, standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, wicked Ahab, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then his spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Wow. Hark, the heavenly host are divine counselors. Now, I'm going to give you some context here because this could throw you at first. Ahab and Jezebel are some of the worst kings of the northern tribe of Israel, right? They separated from the south. And there's this land that they want to get back, Ramoth Gilead, that Syria has taken over. And so they pull together Judah, the southern kingdom, and they're like, let's go get this land back, all right? And so they pull all of their prophets together. And these guys are really like they're worshiping false gods of Baal, all this stuff, right? God is done with these guys. But here's what all the other prophets do. They say, well, let's inquire of the Lord. And so they come. They're like, you're going to crush Syria. Like, you got this in the bag. Like, it can't fail. They're literally making metal horns and saying, this is how you're going to drive out Syria, you know. And the, the king of Judah is like, do you have any other prophets besides Esau? You know, your, your cheerleading squad over here. <laughs> and he says, yeah, there's this one other prophet, um, Micaiah, but I hate him. It's literally what he says. I hate him. Why is that? He never prophesies good things. He always prophesies bad things over me. He says, well, why don't you go get Micaiah? Literally, you have to read this later. This is exactly what it says. So Micaiah comes, and this is what he says. He says, I saw all of Israel scattered like sheep without a shepherd. In this case, the sheep are the, the soldiers, and the shepherd is the king, right? And they're like, seriously, Micaiah? And he's like, I told you he'd only prophesy something bad. He's like, what is going on? All these prophets agree. In fact, the guy with the bullhorns that I told you about earlier, he's like, did the Spirit of God leave me and go to you? Like, how did this go down? And he had this vision. He said, I saw the heavenly hosts. And they're like, how are we going to take out Ahab? We're going to send a lying spirit. And you know what they do to McKay after he prophesies? They lock him up. <laughs> they're like, we don't like him. They lock him up and they're like, let's go to Syria. And they do this. It's right in your text. The king of Israel actually disguises himself so he doesn't look like the king. So they won't even attack him. So we, this is foolproof. There's no way Micaiah can get it right. And so they go out to fight, and they're chasing after the guy who looks like the king. They discover it isn't him, so they turn away, and it looks like Ahab's going to get away. And all of a sudden, we're told that somebody just shoots an arrow at random into the air, and all of a sudden, it hits Ahab. 
and he's pulled aside, and he spends the rest of the day bleeding out, dying, watching his army be devastated. Nikkei was right. They were deceived right into that. Now, Ahab needed to be wiped out. But you have this crazy snapshot of something happening in heaven. And you say, yeah, but that's one text, Stephen. Well, the book of Job has a similar scene. Do you remember this? In Job chapters 1 and 2, the sons of God appear before the throne room of God. And Satan comes, the Satan, the accuser. And he's like, Satan, where you been? I've been roaming to and fro. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And all of a sudden, God allows something to happen in his life. Now, I don't say this around Christmas time to say I, I like to geek out on this time, but my point is the heavenly host, there is some form of divine counsel revealed in Scripture where God interacts and makes decisions with these individuals. Now, I want to be clear. These are creatures. They're not other divine beings in the same way that God is. So they're not gods with a capital G. You could maybe say lowercase g in the way the Bible uses that language. There's, they're spiritual beings. But God is the ultimate sovereign one still over all of the angels, over all of the heavenly hosts. But there is some back and forth that Scripture does reveal in Job and these other places where you say, that is very fascinating. And I think the caution last week was well heeded by Joe Kim. You can go deep into angelology and go down some silly places. So I don't reveal this to you so that you just geek out on the most peripheral parts of the faith. But if you have a view of the sovereignty of God that removes all means, and in our tradition, sometimes we can fall into this in the Reformed camp, right? Where we're just like, God is just orchestrating things. And there's not like people and angels and, you know, all these intermediary means. May I adjust your perspective? God is the sovereign one who tells which, shepherd, which spirits can and cannot go, but they still go on his behalf. And just like the video revealed earlier, when, when God wants to get Peter out of prison, he doesn't simply open the door. He sends an angel to open the door, right? And so God commissions these divine counselors to do his will on his behalf. And even in the book of Job, which is crazy, I mean, the, the devil is a fallen angel, but even his evil is constrained by the leash of God who will or will not permit him to do what he's able to do in the world. And the book of Job makes that very clear that he can't touch him without God allowing it. God is not the author of evil, but he does, if people are fallen in evil like Ahab, he will allow them to fall to their own devices. So first, we see Hark, the heavenly host, are angelic worshipers. Secondly, divine counselors. We could camp out there, but i got to get to the third point, so you can talk to me about that later. Divine counsel, and then thirdly, the mighty warriors. Hark, the heavenly hosts are mighty warriors. Psalm 103, verses 19 to 21, listen to this. It says the follows. As follows, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, there it is, his ministers who do his will. So here the angels are the mighty ones who do his word. His hosts are his ministers who do his will. And then Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. Now war rose in heaven, 
and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon is Satan. And the dragon and his angels, there's the fallen angels, fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Hark, the heavenly hosts are mighty warriors. They're described as the mighty ones who do his will. And then in Revelation chapter 12, we see a snapshot of this war in heaven. Now, if you're here for my first sermon, we talked about there are two angels named in our Bibles. The first was Gabriel. We looked at him. This is the second one. This is Michael, the archangel Michael. And he is leading the charge with the loyal angels on God's team against Satan and against his fallen angels. And he is cast out of heaven down to the earth. And in the scene in Revelation chapter 12, they are fuming mad, going after the woman who gave birth to the child that's going to save the world. That's Jesus, right? And also they are going after his children. That's you and me, right? He's going after the sons of God who obey his word. And we see this in Herod's tyrannical rule and reign, by the way, as he's going after Jesus, and he kills all the babies in Bethlehem. The book of Revelation pulls back the curtain on that and says, this is none other than Satan himself going after Jesus Christ. And really, all the way back to Pharaoh, where he's trying to kill all the Israelites, there's always this tyrannical rule trying to wipe out the people of God. Where does this come from? It doesn't start with Herod's dynasty. It doesn't start with the Egyptians, it starts with Satan. It starts with the devil. And as we started this preaching series, there is a real spiritual battle. That's what it said. These are, there's a war that arose in heaven, and these warriors are fighting against Satan and his legion, and they're cast to the earth. And as you read through the Gospels, one of the things you cannot miss is the spiritual warfare in the ministry of Christ and the apostles, right? Jesus gives them authority over evil spirits to cast them out. Yes, that's in your Bible. We believe that, right? Do you believe that? Amen. There is such an anti-supernaturalist tendency in the church. Did you know that? I think post-enlightenment, where we read this stuff and we blush. This is real, and it explains a lot of what's going on in the world right now. You cannot make sense of your news and turning it on. You can't make sense of the politics. It's craziness, right? On the left and the right, it's bonkersville, and it's not just people. There are spirits at work in this world. And the church is the one supposed to have our eyes wide open, by the way, not be captive to the spirits of this world and held hostage to them. We are bound by the word of God and we are loyal to King Jesus. Not to donkeys, not to elephants. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? He is the king over the church and the king over our hearts and over our lives. These are warriors fighting on our behalf, and we are called to do battle in the power of the Holy Spirit with them. They fight with us, and they fight for us. In Joshua chapter 5, as they were entering into the promised land, you guys remember this? They, they get circumcised, recommit their, their hearts to the Lord, and... Uh, 
they had manna every day of their lives. They eat the produce from the land, and the manna dries up. It's like, no more manna the moment they got there. Right before they cross into Jericho, a man, a soldier, appears before him with a sword. And he's a little concerned, and he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? He says, no, no. I'm an angel of the Lord of hosts' armies. <laughs> Basically saying, you got the wrong question. I'm not for you or for them. I'm for the Lord. I think that's powerful. Because we, we approach the world, we say, are you for me or for them? That's the wrong question. Are we for him? They're fighting for him, are we? <laughs> right? They are loyal to him, are you? What are you fighting for? Whose army are you on? Whose team do you belong to? They fight for King Jesus. You know, the gospel is good news. And I said earlier that the Lord of hosts, it's one of the most popular names of the Lord in the Old Testament. It's used over 200 times. The Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. I love how the New Living Translation translates that because hosts, as Joe also mentioned, almost in passing as the throwaway line, he said, it's the Lord of the heavens' armies. That's exactly right. The New Living Translation says, the Lord of heavens' armies. And the battles in this world, as we saw in Ephesians 6, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the spiritual realm. Satan tempted us to fall in the garden and we got knocked out of paradise. But there was a promise given to Eve. Do you remember what it was? That through the serpent's offspring, one would come to strike this, the offspring's heel. But ultimately, that offspring, the seed of, of Eve, would yeah. crush his head. Yeah. The gospel is a good news of forgiveness of your sins. A hundred percent. I'd never minimize that. But if you don't also see that the gospel is victory over Satan, you're missing another side of the gospel. That Jesus has destroyed the work of the devil. And the way the devil has access into your life is actually through your sin, by the way. Because that's where you guys collude. That's, that's his angle to get in on us, right? He forgives our sin. He removes it from us. And he crushes the work of the devil and shifts our allegiance from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. I want to invite the worship band back up here and put Luke chapter 10 on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20. Jesus has given authority over the 12, and then over to the 72, he sends them out commissions that with power to preach the gospel and to command evil spirits. And it says, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on ser serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Listen to this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven. Does that give you a reason to worship, friend? Stand up. Does that give you a reason to worship? Come on, let's stand. We have victory over the devil. But the greatest gift that we have is not 
victory over the devil or that he'll be cast into the lake of fire. The greatest thing that we should rejoice over is that our names are written in heaven. And this is why Hark the Heavenly Angel sang in the first place because he came to bring us peace on earth. The song continues, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Let's worship him, church.